Hey pals, welcome back to Heaving Bosoms, the podcast where two best friends recap romance novels and other love stories with happy endings, while giving you a peek inside our brain. This week, we're starting off with a Patreon shoutout. We are so thankful for everyone who's able to support us on Patreon. The fact that you do so means so much to Aaron and I. So, Gen Z WB, you are a Simberg, a mythical bird of Persian literature and mythology. You have giant wings, and you are so powerful that you could easily carry an elephant or a whale. You are sometimes described as having the talons of a lion or the head of a wolf, but all agree that you are benevolent and good. You purify the land you fly over. You bestow fertility. You serve as a mediator between the earth and the heavens. You roost in the tree of life, and you have seen the destruction of the world three times over. You are super kind, super generous, and super wise. Thank you for sharing your generous gifts with us mere mortals, both in the OR and out. This week, we have a guest host. During hiatus, our pal Danny from Black Chick Lit and the Ice Planet podcast was kind enough to join me. I had so much fun with her that I actually had to cut quite a bit for time. I did save one chunk of us cackling about our shared love of bonkers alien romance, so if you're a patron, look forward to that this week. But now, let's get to Danny and I chatting about the Amazon original movie, Sylvie's Love. Here we go. Hello. <laughs> How are you, Danny? I'm doing well. It's a new year. It's a new president. Yeah. Things are things are looking up, you know, a little bit. Yeah. Things aren't actively on fire anymore. So now we can like clean up. Yeah. I feel like we have the bandwidth now to really roll up our sleeves and get to work. <sighs> yeah. Um, I, I just sort of wish there weren't so gosh darn many fires, you know, at once. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that's sort of... Like, and they're all kind of equally important, so it's they really are. hard to figure out which one to yep. to put out first. Yep. So they're really, they're all just oh, they're just so strong. Those fires, anyway. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> so, but smarter people than I can figure out how to tackle those. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm so happy that you're here. This is oh, be here. hello, listener. This is Danny from Black Chicklet and Ice Planet Podcast. Hello. I was waving like someone could see me. They cannot. <laughs> <laughs> so hello, listeners. Oh, I don't know if I've been, I haven't been on Heaving Bosoms, but no, not yet. spoken before. Yeah. So yes. Yeah. We've been, we've done other things. We did yes. Ice Planet Pod and I think that's it so far. Yeah. 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 So you did the fun alien sex books. Oh, I mean, you know how I love them. You know how they're just so dear to my heart and soul. So, you know. Yeah, I was super happy to do that one, too. But you came here to talk about a movie. A really <laughs> sweet, romancy movie. Yeah. I really, when I was watching it, what like a few things struck me. Mm -hmm. First, I was certain that with all the beats it was hitting, it was based on a romance novel. It's apparently not, but I was sure of it throughout. The other thing that struck me was that even though the stakes were high, 
even though I was super invested in the story, even though like all of those things were true, it still felt so safe mm-hmm. watching it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was never worried that somebody was going to get axed for no reason or shot at or yeah, or like abused in some way. It was it was real nice. It was real mm-hmm. nice to be in that space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, yes. We should probably say which movie we're talking Did about. Did I not? Oh, God. Here we go. <laughs> Wow, it's yes. been a day over here. Yes, go ahead, Danny. What movie did you choose? We watched Sylvie's Love because everyone on Twitter was talking about it and I was really late watching it. So this gave me a great excuse to watch it. Yeah. And it was so, going off what you said, it was very like atmospheric. Wasn't it? Yes, oh. between the music and like the, it felt very a period piece. And I guess it technically is, although yeah. it makes me feel really old because it's like from the 60s. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's like my mom's era, but it felt like, you know, every the details felt really on point and it was really kind of chill. Yeah. And it just told the story between two people and it was very nice and lovely. Yeah, it was so, it was so lovely. Like, I really felt transported back. The scenery was perfect, pitch perfect the whole time. I swear yes. a few of those cut scenes, I really felt like, and I didn't look this up, I should have. But while I was watching it, I was like, did they take real footage that was like filmed in the 60s for a few of those cut scenes, you know, in between? Yeah. Because it just felt so authentic. Yeah. For me, it was the music because it had like this cool jazz soundtrack, which is very important to the plot of the story. And then the clothes. I love the clothes were so on point. All of Sylvie's like outfits and her hair and her dresses. Oh, my gosh. I loved it all. My very first note, and I kid you not, in all caps, it says, well, first it says New York City 1962, right? But that's not a note. That's just the setting. My very first yes. note says, hello, blue dress and earrings. <laughs> because Yes, and those opera linked oh. gloves. Oh, my gosh. Because she's... I wrote the clothes and then I put hard eyes. <laughs> like yeah. I drew a little mini hard eyes. <laughs> For real. Because she's standing in the... It's not a vestibule. It's like the out. It's like the indoor outdoor part of a theater, and mm-hmm. she's waiting for her friend, her cousin Mona. We find out yes. she's waiting for her, and she's obviously about to get stood up. Like it's real uncomfortable. He's like, "You have like thirty more seconds, probably," and she's like, oh, great. <laughs> "Exactly, yeah." And she goes out to the street to see if she can see Mona like down the block, and instead she looks at this tall drink of water of a man and she goes mm-hmm. robert yes and they have a stare oh my gosh and then it's like isn't this where we go back five years earlier five. yeah yes five so years it's like, earlier. it'd be like what 1957 yes if i did my 1957 properly i do have to note that please correct me because i can't remember how his name is pronounced but reggie reggie john page is it page his the last Duke name? The Duke from Bridgerton. Yeah, the Duke right? from Bridgerton. <laughs> yes, he's in it. So the Duke from Bridgerton is in this, like Mr. Eyebrow himself. Although <laughs> I've been pretty insufferable about that because everybody's been like, oh my God, the Duke. And every time all I think to myself is, hmm, I loved him in that bad courtroom drama. So I think, <laughs> I, bad I, think I knew him before you. Um, it's called We the People. I think it was like a one- <laughs> A one season awful and I watched it for him and for I think her name is Britt Robertson I don't know she had a really great best friend as well but they gave the best friend roughly zero things to do in the whole show so it was really a waste but yeah so I loved him 
when he was a hard-nosed prosecutor. In You're the, Renee Hipster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's he's so good because his role in this, like his physicality in this is just wildly different than any <laughs> other character I've ever seen him play. It's so cool. Yeah. Well, I only know him as the Duke. So seeing comparing him like as this, you know, this Duke in Bridgerton and then as this like, I can't remember what instruments he plays, but by basically this like up and coming jazz musician yeah. trying to make it big and but still hitting on the girls. Oh. <laughs> the girl he's like, because he goes for Mona's or he goes for um, Sylvie's cousin yeah. from Jump. And it's just, he's really good. Like he really can put himself in that character. Yeah. And you see it. Like, I didn't feel like I was watching. I can't even remember the Duke's name. We're just going to have to keep calling him the Duke because I already blanked. Yes. Hastings. Yeah. Yeah. Because I didn't get that vibe at all. And I was worried that, like, well, I saw him in that one thing and we binged that one thing. My mom binged it for like a few weeks, honestly. Nice. So, because <laughs> she would rewatch the episodes over and over again. Oh, I love so, that. So, like, I was worried I would see him and only see him as that character, but that didn't happen. No. The way that he does in this character in particular, the way that he does like the I'm going to walk up real slow and then like quick move somewhere else. It's it's just like so I just felt so quintessentially the times. And then it made me feel like he was a completely different person made of completely different molecules, you know? Yes. Just so good. Anyway, he's so talented. All right. So she's working in his her dad's record shop. Mr. J's music of Music Shop. Hall of Wonder. I don't know. It's a record <laughs> yeah. store. Oh, I can't remember. Yes. It's Mr. J's something. Anyway. Yeah. And she's there like watching I Love Lucy, which th- it was specifically <laughs> the chocolate scene. <laughs> <laughs> what did, oh, what did she say? Like, let her roll. Yes. What's the- <laughs> that? I don't know. <laughs> and then the, the conveyor belt comes oh with all the chocolate. She's specifically watching it on two different machines, which I thought was a funny detail. Yes. Because yeah. only one has video and only one has audio. So she's, <laughs> they stack them on top of each other to get one complete viewing experience. I mean, I dig it. That's a great hack. <laughs> you know, it's something I would definitely do. It's such a weird detail to have. Uh-huh. I want to, just to get sidetracked about the parents, we learned yes. that the mother is this very like prim, proper, like etiquette sort of teacher. Yeah. And the, yeah. it, so it seems just her and the dad, I want to see those two interact in a scene together. Right. Because they don't seem like they would really fit. He's picking up electronics off the corner of the street, like off the curb to repair. Yeah. Meanwhile, she's telling girls like the proper poise and how to stand properly and behave like a Yeah, posture and like keep your voice down and women are this and respectability that. Like it's very and like at one point she tells Sylvie that this guy that she clearly is super infatuated with is below her station. Exactly. Yes. Yikes. So I was just like, these two are married? I know. And we never see them in the same room that I can recall, Mm-mm. which is also a really funny choice because I'm like, how do they how do they interact in the same house? You know, because they also set up Sylvie like she goes to a cotillion yeah. to pick like to get a man from a prominent family. So right. like, so not to knock on Papa Sylvie, Sylvie not to Papa Jay. He is a small business owner, you know, he's a small business owner. That's not really I don't know if it's different in the 50s and the 60s, but that doesn't really put you on par with like lawyers and doctors. <laughs> so it's just. Yeah. Their whole relationship, I just had a lot of questions. Yeah, same. All right. So he's leaving a rehearsal or a gig or something. Mm-hmm. And he comes walking down the street. He's strutting along with the Duke of Hastings, who's not. His name is Chico. I'll just call, call him was, Chico. 
was that the dude? Because I went back because the kid turns and runs to hit on another girl. And I yeah. thought it was him, but I couldn't be sure. Was that him? Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Because they're like, they're bandmates, right? Yeah. And or is this... Dickie, and then there's another one. There's Dicky. there's Chico, there's Robert, and then there's another guy. Yeah, and then there's just, like the upright bassist or something. And we never yeah. really, I think we see him in like one scene. It's okay. it's not a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, or maybe he's the drummer. Listen, we're not here. It's not important. Really, we're not honestly. here for music facts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're quibbling. Yeah. So he shows up at this record store. He looks inside. He sees this gorgeous woman who is Tessa Thompson. Yes. And he goes in and he sees this sign that says help wanted. And so he grabs the sign out of the window to make sure nobody else can get up on his territory. And he goes <laughs> over and he's like, do you have this record? And she does not yes. look up at him. She is riveted no. on I Love Lucy. Doesn't give him the time of day. <laughs> and she very gave me a big competence boner and him too. Because without looking up, she's like, oh, it's in the, this aisle between this and this. Good job. You're welcome. In the, in the M section between these two artists. Yes. Yeah. And so he gets over there and he's like, oh, God, I think she's the real deal, basically. And so he takes off his big giant glasses. <laughs> because now he is here to impress for real. <laughs> It's really cute. Question. Yeah. Do you think, because I went back and forth and then I saw some Twitter commentary and I don't know. Do you think that was like, this is the first time he saw her and it was love at first sight. And he's like, this is how I, and like, he's like, I'm making this impulse decision to go do this job. Or do you think he had come by that music shop before and seen her in there? And was like, today I make my move. Like now that the help wanted sign was there. Because I couldn't figure out which way to read it. I don't know. I'm hoping it's the longing one. The one with longing. I'm always pro-longing. I do love a pine. You know. <laughs> love a good pining storyline. My, just without even thinking about it, I thought it was the first time he had walked down that block. Okay. First time he'd seen the shop. And he was like, huh, I need a job anyway. And then he saw the cute girl. And he was like, well, may as well get a job with a cute girl. <laughs> you know, it's a bonus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. That was my was initial going... read, but I like yours better. Well, and I have no basis for it. And your read is what everyone, what other people seem to say. Like okay. it was a love at first sight thing. But I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it guess was I a didn't... love at first sight. I think it was a, I would do you at first sight. First like, let's make out at first, first sight. sight. <laughs> you know, like, oh, she's cute at first sight. And then he was like, oh, God. And I need a job. Yeah. She knows so much about music. I, I got to yes. I got to really pull out, pull out the big guns now, you know? <laughs> yes. Okay. He's, so, he's a saxophonist. I wrote that yes. down just an FYI. So um, I do have that. Yeah. Also, I, there was this scene where I was basically the emoji with the blown up mind, with the mind blown emoji, because, mm -hmm. sorry, we're skipping a little bit, but he gets hired to be at the shop even though they're not they're supposedly not hiring or maybe she was just trying to get rid of him so that she didn't have to be in her house like i that's what i couldn't tell so she comes in he's like he's like i saw the help wanted sign and she's like oh no we don't actually need help it's just that my mom doesn't want to look like we're you know poor poor or something and so she wants people to think that we have enough money to pay somebody but i work here and then the dad hires him on the spot. And so I'm wondering if she just like hated being cooped up in the house with her mom who wouldn't let her watch TV. And so she got this like she was like, oh, dad, I'll help you at your record store in order to like dodge the mom a bit. I don't know. That was I don't my... think that's too far off because at the start, the dad is like 
trying everything to get her. He's like, will you please stop watching TV? Yeah. Get out of the shop and like go do something fun. And she's like, no, I'd rather just stay here and and watch my show. She really likes TV. She wants to make TV one day. It's amazing. Yeah. Spoiler alert. She does. Yeah. I thought that was a really cool storyline. Oh, me too. Okay. Sorry. So he gets hired on the spot. (laughs) And then later on, he and the dad are in the basement, like moving stock around. And the dad's like, I was also a saxophonist. And I was like, holy shit, is that how that word is said? Oh, no. I had the same reaction. Oh, no. That's so funny. I've been saying I was like, wait a minute. Oh, no. I was like, wait a minute. Is that what it's really called? Because that I'm is- a dumb. It's like when you learn what a flautist is. Oh, God. You're like, what? Oh, my God. And it's like when my brother went into the Navy and all of a sudden I learned it was a submariner. I didn't know <laughs> I've been seeing submariner like a like a country wench. Oh jeez. Oh, I'm glad we both I'm glad that stuck to both of us because I actually said up I was like, what? Is that what it is? Okay. Uh, honestly, and now I'm never saying that word again. Never. Because I don't I, can't I have trust no call it. to. <laughs> also. But also Saxophone it's not trustworthy. Player. You're right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So then he finds out that she has a fiance in Korea who's like fighting the Korean War because it's 1957. Yes. And he's like, oh, yes. dang, I took my glasses off for nothing. Basically. But then <laughs> he goes, they've got this summer gig. He and his band are in from Detroit and he's got a summer gig at this bar called the Blue Morocco. So they're doing their gig thing. It's super hot. He's doing a big, you know, fingers all over the saxophone situation. He can really play. He can play. Man, (laughs) it was a big talent boner. Yes. (laughs) Then they take a break. And the lady I call the hot duchess, although I think her name is actually like duchess, right? Countess. She's a countess. Countess. And I don't know if that's her name, but that's how they... (laughs) She's 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 some American peer. We're not sure on who she is. Yeah. Yeah. She's she's nobility of some sort. Maybe just nobility (laughs) in the wallet. Who knows? So she invites them over and she's like, I'm having a jam session over at my pad. You cool cats. Why don't you come over and and play for me? (laughs) And so they're very excited about it. And they they take her card and they are going to go. I put in my notes that she reminded me of Gaga. Yeah, every single outfit she wore was like a different look. She was very serious about her wardrobe. Yeah, and going off what you said earlier, I kept expecting them to get ripped off. Like, I kept, I didn't get what her vibe was because she was really like fast and loose with like giving them money for suits and hooking them up with a job and Mm -hmm. a French agent. And I'm like, what's her, what's her deal? So I'm glad Uh that didn't become a whole, a whole thing. Well, I mean, it kind of becomes a minor thing. I thought it'd be worse. I thought she was like going to rip them off and then they'd be like, I don't know what I thought. I definitely, I definitely thought she was predatory. Definitely. Yes. And I think she probably was because one of the big things toward the end is that the band he's in, the rest of the guys don't make any money. It's just like the guy whose name is on the band, who owns the copyrights to the music, who's making all the money. And then she's also Mm -hmm. getting 20%. Yeah. And then these actual like musicians who wrote all the music with him are getting like pennies on the dollar. So that's true. I yeah. don't know. She did a bad as far as agenting is concerned, in my humble opinion, or managing or whatever <laughs> she does. Yeah. Make sure your talent sticks around. Pay them what they deserve. 
Exactly. Uh. Yeah. And doesn't and isn't she also that's jumping way ahead. We'll get there. Sorry. Okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. So now Sylvie is up on the roof doing a suntan with her cousin, who is from How to Get Away with Murder. <laughs> I love her. I thought she looked familiar. I loved her in How to Get Away with Murder. And she also is a totally different human in this role. Yes. Ah, she's so they're so good. Can we talk about the swimsuits in this scene? Because like I this... would like to talk about them for at least 10 hours. <laughs> the 50 swimsuits with like the cherry print. It was just, I love, like the clothes, like, as I already said, were a whole thing we could talk about. But like the little, like the swimsuits and the dresses. Oh, yeah. The and, little like, buttons down the front of the swimsuits and like the high, so high waist sort of short situations on the bottom. Yes. It's the only yes. thing I want to swim in forever. And I can never find things anymore that do what those swimsuits did. You know, they try, yes. but they're so modern and then they look yeah. weird on me. Right, yeah. Yeah, they were so good. Both of them were in these adorable swimsuits. Like, she was in this cherry one and then her cousin, Mona, was in this, like, blue number. Oh. It was so cute. They were so... And the, and the sunglasses, Danny. Oh, yes. The the sunglasses. All the details, yes. Oh, my God. The cat eye frames. Oh, kill me dead. <laughs> So, all right. So they're playing this game, which goes on throughout anytime Mona's around. Mm -hmm. And they're like, favorite song for this thing or like favorite song for this weather or whatever. And they tell each other back and forth. And it's really, really cute. And I just love their relationship. Yes, they were really sweet. Sweet and supportive and like yeah, non-judgmental non yes ah uh, i just because <laughs> sylvie's gonna do some things well and Mona, very much be... Mona's a bit of a girl after my own heart you know she is. <laughs> <laughs> and sylvie's just like okay so? leave with the duke of hastings go ahead <laughs> good job <laughs> get yours girl get it's, it that's right so now they have a scene with the hot duchess. She's going to be their manager. She gives them money for suits. We were very worried she was going to be ultra predatory. Turns out she's only mildly predatory. Minorly. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And she gets them jobs in places they want. Mm -hmm. So then the next day at the record store, he's down in the basement and Sylvie, so Sylvie does the most adorable little dance, the little cleaning dance around the record store to see you later, alligator. Okay. <laughs> After, After a while, while crocodile. Crocodile. <laughs> so I love how that becomes a thing throughout the whole oh, movie. Like every time me. they say, yes. Oh. <laughs> it's like, see you later, alligator. Yes. And she's wearing, again, on the clothes, just the cutest capris mm -hmm. and it's the blue top and these flats. And it's so 50s. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I love, I love it. And her short pixie cut. Oh. Yes. Okay. <sighs> this does remind me of a question. How yes. old is she supposed to be? I had because the same question. <laughs> She's clearly old enough to be engaged. I think she's But not 18. old enough, I guess. Okay. Because she didn't have a job. I mean, would she have it? I don't know. I don't know how it worked back then. Well, she didn't have a, a real job. She had what felt like sort of like a part-time job, but she didn't seem to be in school. She was engaged. How long was she engaged? I don't know. I had a lot of questions. Right. So two things threw me off. One was, when does a 19, 1950s person in Harlem go to Cotillion? Like, is it 16? Is it 18? When do you technically get presented to society, as she says, you yeah. know, because in England times it was what, like 15, you know? Yeah. I don't think that's it. Right. But I don't know why it wouldn't be 16 or 17. So maybe maybe it's like 18. Maybe she mm -hmm. spent like a year ish dating and being engaged. So maybe she's 19 or 20. 
Okay, yeah. But she's a young. Yeah. Time in this movie was really fuzzy. Yeah. It starts off real concrete. Yeah. And then once it gets into the the like last third of the movie, I have no idea how much time goes by. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, even <laughs> even the half, like I didn't know how long we're jumping mm-hmm. ahead, but I didn't know how long um she, well, I guess five years. But after she met I'm really jumping ahead, but there's a lot of incidents in between <laughs> where I didn't know how much time was in between I hear certain you. like meetings yeah. and steps. And so Yeah, like how really long were they on tour? How long was, you know, I'm I don't know. Yeah. I sort of And they reconnect sorry, I keep interrupting you. No, no, please. I was just gonna say they they reconnect over a period of years and it's really fuzzy as to how much time is in between like yeah. each time they come back together. So you can kind of get details from like their hair and clothes. Right. I kept on trying to track how long her hair was. But then I remembered (laughs) that A, not only were there, did she have her hair like up in a French twist all the time? But B, Mm -hmm. 60s and 70s, every woman used a ton of hair pieces, like extensions and, you know, all those sorts of things. So I I have no idea. I have no idea, Danny. Yeah. The answer is (laughs) I have zero idea. Oh, hey, HBs. I don't know if you've heard, but we have a Patreon. For as little as $5 a month, you get over 150 bonus episodes, most of which include Aaron, videos of regular episodes, author hangouts, and so much more. Do you want to hear Aaron and I recap every single episode of Crash Landing on You? What about a little film called Psycho Stripper? Do you want more recaps of ridiculous Thanksgiving and other holiday books and movies? And how do you feel about Naima Simone and I recapping amazing reality TV? All of that and more is on the Patreon. There's so much content at your fingertips as soon as you sign up. Seriously, hours and hours. Anyway, it's patreon.com forward slash heaving bosoms podcast if you want to check it out. And of course, that link is in the show notes. Keep being a badass. Okay, sorry. So she's doing this adorable dance to see you out later, alligator. And he comes up and he catches her. And then it's this, it's so cute because she's all bashful about it. Yes. (laughs) And he's, he's really adorable. And so then she offers to help him clean up in the basement and she closes the door and he's like, oh, no, don't close the door. And they get stuck. <laughs> locked in the basement. <laughs> They're locked in the basement all together. So then they sit on the stairs and they decide to have a cigarette together. Yes, there was so much smoking in this movie. I was like, it actually shot. hurt me. Like I kept on having these these sensory memories of being stuck in my parents, like the back room of my parents' restaurant at one point, and like all the GIs smoking back there. And <laughs> it's just the most. Anyway, after that period of my life, I started um, making up that I was allergic to cigarette smoke. Ah, uh, so you didn't have to be around it. Anymore. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I made it up. It was also just <laughs> miserable. It made me so like if allergies are the thing makes you miserable, I think it fits. You know, a, a sensitivity at the very least. Exams. Thank you. Yeah, there absolutely. You go. <laughs> so much smoking. But it's really cute because she says, oh, you've got a French light, which I've also <laughs> never heard. I wrote of. that down too. I wrote that exactly. Thank I've you. never heard of a French light. <laughs> I, have no idea what the I, I wanted it to be defined. <laughs> I guess it's 
She does define it. She, she says does. it's when your cigarette is half lit, mm-hmm. which I'm still not sure how that works. Like, how can half the cigarette be lit? Uh, it's, it's, you know, you got to be talented or, or very not talented, I guess. <laughs> I'll let them have it because <laughs> I did not. And she says that means you're going to fall in love soon. And then he says, well, yours is also a French light. And I said, you're just bad at lighting cigarettes, dude. But <laughs> because he lit hers as well. well but I'm going to give it to him. You know, they're both going to fall in love soon. It's adorable. I don't, I'm not throwing stones at it at all. So is French just now the adjective for to describe things that are just half-assed done? Maybe. Like a French tuck is a French light. Which is funny because a French kiss is like the most you can. That's really you know, yeah. like you gotta really commit to a French kiss. <laughs> you can't half ass. No. It's just sloppy at that point. It's true. <laughs> um, okay, so then she does this really. I mean, she's just so competent, and she's like, "I know a lot about music because you have to know a lot to be able to recommend things to people." And so mm-hmm. she like basically reads his music taste, and she's like, "You will like this record." Mm-hmm. And then after this adorable conversation in which they talk about her fiance, they talk about, you know, his band, they talk about a lot of things. And then, Is this also where they talk about, sorry, I didn't mean to begin, where he says he used to work at an auto plant and he's since learned that life is too short to do things you don't love or am I getting ahead? That's on a roof somewhere later. But, <laughs> but yes, there's a lot yeah. of that. I think he <laughs> talks about Detroit roof. at the very least, you know. Yeah. And then he... He does a big lean in and up to the point that Sylvie thought he was going in for the kiss and I thought he was going in for the kiss and everybody in the universe thought that he was going in for a kiss. But he grabs a bobby pin out of her pixie cut, which I didn't. I'm going to level with you. I didn't understand. (laughs) (laughs) You're not the only one. (laughs) So he grabs this out of her pixie cut and then he jangles the door out and he jimmies the door jimmies he unlocks yes. the door with a bobby pin everyone which he could have done the whole time but he sat but there he and talked to chatty chat. yes <sighs> and then while they're outside he invites her to come to his show show yes they're called. performing at the blue moroccan yeah mm-hmm. come see he and his band perform there we go yeah okay so then she and mona go to the blue morocco and I'm back on the clothes again. Oh, please. The dresses. The Ramona's dresses specifically. I that know. pink ensemble. I know. With that teeny tiny waist and that flare out for miles. The big petticoat oh, gay dress. Uh, I loved it. Gosh. Yes. yes. I hear you. <laughs> I was also right there with you. <laughs> I could have thoughts about every outfit. I know. And we might hear them all. I know. So then they sit down and he starts playing and he starts playing this romantical number And she is almost overcome. Her eyes are brimming with tears in a way that Mm -hmm. only Tessa Thompson can do. (laughs) And she's just so floored by his talent. And it's really gorgeous. So he comes down. Oh, wait. So then backstage, they find out that they could maybe have a gig in Paris. Petty. And they would leave in a month. A month? Mm -hmm. They would leave. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And he doesn't want to. It's very clear. He's like, who's this duchess bitch? Why is she telling us what to do? And why is she getting in between me and Sylvie out there? You know, (laughs) Paris can wait is basically what he's trying to say. (laughs) Yes. He's very reluctant to trust this lady and to just 
hightail it out of there. Yeah. I had another off-topic comment. Please. <laughs> because I think she comes back up. This is the thing I need to explain. Extremely minor. So the Blue Moroccan has these dancers, and they're like, when the show came on, mm-hmm. they're like dressed in these like harem outfits, and they have abs. I just want to Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, we get to see them. Like, these are not just, like, they are, I thought I saw a six-pack. Same. These ladies are, like, toned. Yeah. Now, are one of these, is is Connie among these dancers? Yes. Okay. She's the like, blonde. She looks familiar. Okay. So, okay. So, here's what happens. While he's playing, like, the end of his set-ish, after after she dabs her eyes a tiny bit, and she's like, no, Mona, I'm totally fine. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> freaking out over this guy's absolute gorgeous talent. The dancers, like, go to strut off stage and Connie and Robert make eye contact. And it's like a mm-hmm. it's like a real flirty on Connie's half. And it's a, you know, he holds her eye contact and she's like, oh, you can see on her face. Because Tessa Thompson can face act anybody into the ground. Mm-hmm. She, I swear to God, she can say words with her eyes. It's bananas. It's really great. Yeah. And this role in particular. She she does such a good job of telling you exactly what her character is thinking just with her eyes and like the way she sort of furtively looks around because this character is a bit anxious, you know, Mm -hmm. um, about basically everything. And she's also not allowed to talk, which we'll get into. We can get into more of her career. But like she has all these things she wants to do. But various people, her mother, her husband, society, she can't do them. Mm-hmm. So it's like she's she's a very restrained or repressed. That's the word. She's yes. a very repressed character. Yeah. So and you really get that like in her mannerisms and how Tessa Thompson brings her oh, to the screen. Just gorgeous. So they go out and he's like, oh, my gosh, Sylvie's here. I didn't even see her while I was being a badass on stage. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. I'm so glad I did. I just nailed that song. So they go over and they sit down. And glad that wasn't the song I really sucked at. <laughs> <laughs> so then... The Duke of Hastings takes Mona away to go dancing, and it's adorable. He's, it was so cute because he's not subtle about no. it at all. He like basically elbows Robert's like entire left side uh-huh. and be like, "Introduce me, introduce me." Oh yeah, and then he and Mona like get super. They're very cute. Oh. They're very cute. Their eagerness. Yeah, and they're both DTF, and they both know it <laughs> from the start. It's great. The communication like, hot, between I'm these two is just <laughs> stellar. <laughs> Same page all the way. It's so good. (laughs) I love them. Me too. So they go off and dance, leaving our two protagonists at the table by themselves. Oh no, what what will they do? This Actually, I was really disappointed by this scene, but go ahead. Really? Oh well, man. it plays out great, but it it sets you up in the end. It lies to you because I am a hoe for like the slow, the slow dance. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. And they tease you. They're like, oh, you're going to get a nice. And then they get like cock blocked. The lady literally pulls a plug out the wall and she's like, you don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah. So. Yeah. The manager of the place kicks them out. But wait. So I have to back up a bit because he sits down and he's like, he's like, oh, so did you think I was any good? And she's like, well, you know, I I wouldn't go too far, but you might be the next John Coltrane. And he's like, whoa. (laughs) And then Connie, the dancer, the asshole dancer comes by and she's like, we're going to a bar next door. Why don't you come by after you're done babysitting? And then she like, bow, 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 wows out the door. Which like I'm kind of like, how much older are you than late than her lady? Like you can't be that much older than her. Yeah, I mean she she she's a cool twenty five, I'd say. 
<laughs> and back in those days, you know. I guess that meant something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then she asks if Connie is his girlfriend. And he says, no, we just work together. Sort of like we do, but she's not engaged. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, guys, stop being so bitter. It's unattractive. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I didn't like that bit. Fair. I didn't like it at all. I did just because I felt like he was just throwing his cards on the table. You know, That's true, I'm into yeah. you. I would be yeah. I would be into being more than friends with you if you weren't engaged. Were engaged. And maybe if you weren't yeah. engaged still, you know? Yeah, that's true. All right. So then she gets awkward and she says she should go. And then he's like, well, why don't you dance with me first? And she almost refuses. And then he's like, you can't refuse the next John Coltrane. And so then, it's, oh, Danny, they do so that beautiful. Thing. So they go out to the dance floor. And the moment that like I actually gasped, Michael makes fun of me when I watch movies like this. Because he'll be in another room and he gets all of my reactions without context. <laughs> and so I go, <laughs> when he, um, when he, cause they're, they're like gonna do a normal dance and then he puts his hand at the middle of her back and just, oh, just pulls her yes. right into his chest. And I was into it. And so was she. Yes, they do all this, like his hands, cause I think her back is, it's not bared, but he can put his hand on like the skin of like her arms oh. or something. And he pulls her closer and they do the hands, the finger lacing thing. They interlace fingers, Danny. It, it was so good. Oh. And they dance for approximately 30 seconds before management is like, no love here. Yeah. We do not like love. Get the fuck out. Oh, it's so mean. So Mona and the Duke of Hastings have already fucked off to bone in the bathroom or something. (laughs) It's fantastic. So then he asks to walk her home. And on Mm -hmm. the way home, he asks her about TV because he's had that conversation with her dad about it being her passion. Mm -hmm. And then they start talking about their passions and he starts talking about music and he likes it because of the way it makes him feel. (sighs) That's where the whole life is too short must have come up. Nope. That's still later. But yeah. Is it still? Why am I so much worse at this than you? No, it is also at night. <laughs> it's at night, but it's I'm on almost, the rooftop. I'm, I'm going to stop guessing. <laughs> no, no, you're fine. I watched it. I promise you I watched it. I believe you. Okay. So then they get to her door and he's like, where I come from, a date ends with a kiss. But yes. I guess this wasn't really a date. And she's like, yes. no, it wasn't. And she goes to go up the stairs and he goes to turn around. And then she goes, but I suppose it was sort of date-like, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he bounds up the stairs like the most adorable St. Bernard who's ever been enthusiastic. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was so yes. cute. He was trying so hard all night to be smooth, Danny, and then he couldn't. <laughs> It It was really eager. It was really endearing. And then they have like this little chase little kiss. Uh And then she turns to leave and Uh then it becomes a bigger, not so. And then she turns back around and she's like, I need more. Yes. (laughs) It's a very thirsty kiss. I loved it. Oh my gosh. And then they get interrupted by her mom, Eunice. Mom. So, and mom knows. So, oh. All right. Yes. So mom comes to the record store the next day because she knows something is up. And she's very invested in Connie's engagement to a doctor's son. Oh, did I say Connie? You said Connie. What a dummy. (laughs) Sylvie's engagement to a doctor's son. Mm -hmm. So she comes by the store and she does a big snooty at him. Mm -hmm. She's like, I'm so glad that you're helping my husband with his shop. But I'm Mm -hmm. sure you have things to do. Yes. Ah. Because 
Sylvie tries to tell her like, oh my gosh, he's so talented and he's a musician and blah, blah, blah. So she basically dismisses him down to the basement. Yes. And then she goes over to Sylvie and she's like. It's so cutting. Oh, yeah. It's so cutting. What did she say? Like a lady. A lady does not lavish <gasps> praise on a man, oh. especially one who is not of her station. Oh, Something her station. Oh, my God. Yes. And again. What? What is your station? Yes, who you're married? You're married to the guy who owns the shop, the musician work. He's like this close to being a musician himself. Yeah. How are you? I do not understand where her superiority complex comes from, and it was just really weird. Yeah, I wondered if it's because she's in that stage where she's like, I wanted this for myself. I fell in love Mm -hmm. and I, you know, now I'm with your dad, who I love, but also like isn't a doctor or a doctor's son. And so she wants better for her daughter, maybe. And it's just very misguided and gross. But still. I mean, you're wondering, does she even love her dad? It's like you never see the two of them together. It's just, again, these two. I could write a Tumblr post on these two. Same. And so, (laughs) and and again, Tessa Thompson's face. You watch her go from really excited to completely cowed. And she's like, Mm -hmm. oh, my gosh, I have made a big mistake. I got to fix this. So he comes up to invite her to a birthday party. And she says, she cuts him off and says it was a mistake and it can't happen again because she's engaged. Yes. Which, you know, fine. That's a thing. But golly, gosh, did it hurt everyone involved? (laughs) It really did. They're both really sad about it. So then she goes out with Mona. She goes to have a totally innocent (laughs) night out with Mona. And Mona takes her to the exact birthday party he was going to invite her to. Oh, my gosh. It's Eva Longoria's birthday party, which I just thought was hilarious. Oh, my gosh, Danny. I cannot even. (laughs) It was not until the New Year's party that I realized it was Eva Longoria. The whole time, (laughs) I had no idea that she was a person I would recognize. And then she starts doing this dance at the New Year's party. And I was like, wait a second. Who, what is she? Who is she? What have I? And then I turned on the Amazon Prime, like, show me who's in this scene. Mm-hmm. And it said Eva fucking Longoria. <laughs> it's that wig. It's that short hair. It's, it's confusing yeah. me on everyone. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Thompson at first threw me off for a bit. Yeah. Everyone's got these pixie cuts. It's, it's like, true. Who are you? I know. It's true. All right. Sorry. So it's Eva Longoria's yes. birthday party. <laughs> Eva Longoria has a character named Carmen who is in a relationship with Dickie, a member of the of the band. The lead guy of the band, even though he's yes. not the most talented one, you know, but I'm not bitter. Just the one making money, I guess. Yeah. yeah. All right. So they sort of like ignore each other kind of. And then she finally goes up and she's like, so you're ignoring me now? And he's like, you're the one that said I was a mistake. And then Connie comes over and she's like, bow, bow, wow, wow, do you want to dance? Mm-hmm. And so he goes to dance with her. And then Sylvie gets really upset and she storms off in the most proper way a proper lady can. Yes. yes. And then he follows her out to the, the rain wet street, Danny. Oh, it looked like something out of Dancing in the Rain. Like it was so like it was well lit. The cinematography oh. in this movie was great. It was well lit. It was empty. And then they're dancing in the street under like the street lights. Yeah, because they finally he comes out and he's like, if if you don't want me, then like, why are you mad that other ladies want me? <laughs> and she's like, well, because yes. you were smooching on me yesterday. And now it seems like you might be smooching yes. on Connie and I don't feel special. And he's like, do you think that <laughs> that you calling me a mistake makes me feel special? And then he's, she's like, you're the most extraordinary person I've ever met. 
and then they dance Aww. in the rain. It's so cute. It's the sweetest. There was a moment before that. So speaking of him talking about engaged and how I didn't like the other line where he said, where she, where he said, you know, if you weren't engaged, she's like what you and I are, except she's not engaged. I did like the line where he said, yeah. you never shut up talking about how you're engaged and it's the least interesting thing about you. I loved that. I am <laughs> I so glad line. you remembered to say that out loud. Yes. It's the least yes. interesting thing about you. Oh, what a swoon. I, yes. Oh it my was gosh. such a good line. It really was. And such a good sentiment. And that's really the hallmark of his character. That's what makes him the right man for her. Mm -hmm. Because he can see past all the things, especially what society expects her to be. He doesn't want that Mm -hmm. from her. And Mm -hmm. she doesn't want to be that. And it's just, it's amazing. It's really good. Yeah. But I did really feel that awkward vibe after Robert goes to dance with Connie and she's standing there at this party where I don't think she knows many people except for like maybe her cousin and Robert. It was so awkward and I felt it at like a a deep level. Absolutely. Yeah, it was palpable. It was, yeah, very, very, yes. Okay, so then we basically get a dating montage where they're dating behind her parents' back essentially. And they do a lot mm-hmm. of double dating yeah. with the Duke of Hastings and Mona. And they're adorable the cute. whole time. They keep on like going into stairwells to do it. <laughs> I loved every moment they, of it. They keep going off <laughs> stage left to go yeah. like smooch and do things. <laughs> I know. All right. So now they're on the roof, Danny. And what do they talk okay. about? <laughs> what happens? <laughs> Tell me everything. Well, all, I, all I remember from this scene is what they do physically. I guess I did not recall any details about what they yeah, talked yeah. about. But he does, does this where he finally says the line, life is too short to do. Yeah, she says, what, what made you, you want to be a musician? And he's That's like, it. okay, you know, my mom died and I, I realized that like, fuck it, I need to quit the auto plant and take mm-hmm. a chance on my dream. And now yeah. he's in New York and he's about to start playing in Paris, but he doesn't know that yet. And he certainly doesn't tell her that. Yes. I guess I didn't realize that was part of the scene because they like start smooching and kissing and blah, blah, blah. And then it's like the the movie lie back where other things happen. Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> what I one of the things I love about them and one of the things that I find so it's just so sweet and innocent is like even when they're even when they're supposed to be like passionately kissing, uh-huh. especially in these first few encounters in the 50s. They are so they're like grabbing on each other's elbows, trying to get closer and, you know, trying to kiss and like not know where to put their hands. And I just loved it. Very so earnest. Yes. 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 Oh, I loved it. OK, so now she's on the, the floor with Mona in her bedroom. I like this scene a lot. This is my favorite Mona scene because Mona same. has a great line. I know. Same. So. They're listening to records and she's like, so how'd it go on the roof? And basically she's like, we went all the way. (laughs) We did. And she's like, how was it? And then Tessa Thompson pauses and then she goes, it was extraordinary. (laughs) And then Mona has this little moment where she's like, oh, extraordinary. I've done it tons of times and it's never been extraordinary. (laughs) Cute. Which doesn't say much for the Duke himself. Mm, you know. <laughs> He's doing his best, Archico. <laughs> it's really cute. Oh boy. It's July, folks. 
That means new Bonkers Book Club selections. And let me tell you, our cup runneth over. First, there's a historical smorgasbord. You get the entire box set of Nicola Davidson's Surrey SFS series. If you're not familiar, that stands for Sexual Freedom Society. This box set includes five ridiculously spicy historicals with a variety of gender pairings and trios and so much more that makes my heart sing. Then Jenny and Katie are offering up one of their all-time favorites, Brutal Prince by Sophie Lark. That's the mafia book where the heroine accidentally sets the hero's house on fire and then makes sure her mouth is full of strawberries because she knows he's extremely allergic. Best wedding kiss ever, right? And then we decided to do a little bonus. We wanted to see if audiobooks are something you'd like as part of book club. And Kay Lorraine and Meg Ann have a series called The Mate Games. You get to listen to book one, Obsession. It's a paranormal reverse harem that's done with duet narration. And the cast of narrators is insanely good. So Joybringers have tons to look forward to. If you want to join, check out our website. The link is in the show notes. Intelligent nature and is unable to deny her feelings for him. As they draw closer to the treasure, Burke and Kenzie must defend themselves from shady characters who wish to claim it for themselves. Kenzie came down to find one treasure, but now she sees another is equally valuable. Can she claim both? One reviewer said, Kenzie is a strong woman who will fight to keep the treasure she worked so hard to find and her loved ones saved. I love that she was the main character with her superhuman kick-ass moves. Check out this great mix of suspense, thriller, and romance. I'm putting by links in the show notes. I had the pleasure of meeting Mr. Schneider a couple of years ago, and I would love for you to treat yourself to his book. Okay, now more cute dating montage. They're they're doing it in cars, and they're on double bicycles, <gasps> and they're doing picnics. The tandem bicycle <laughs> was just so much. I was like, <laughs> really? So I know. Where were they even doing that? Like, was that meant to be <laughs> Central Park? I don't know. <laughs> Where were they riding? Where were they going? Yes, it was wild. Yeah. How did they get the bike? I have questions. Yeah. But then she comes home late and the jig Mm -hmm. is up. Mom knows. Mm -hmm. And mom is Mm -hmm. about to get out, like, I swear, the wooden spoon or something. She's real mad. (laughs) Like, if proper ladies got out the wooden spoon, she would do it. (laughs) She's real mad. (gasps) Oh, and then, then he gets fired. Mr. J fires him. She makes Mr. J fire him. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And then she won't let Tessa answer the phone. Yeah. So then he wants to tell her that he has to go to Paris and that he wants her to come with him. But the mom won't hand over the phone and keeps hanging Mm -hmm. up on him. So he, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, in one of the most romantical gestures I've ever seen on the screen, (laughs) he shows up on her street with his saxophone being a saxophonist. (laughs) And... Boy, does he play you that said we didn't song. trust that word. That's right. I'm, I, you know what? I'm leaning in. I gotta, I gotta just go full bore. <laughs> Saxophonist. 
So then, <laughs> so he plays the first song, the sexy saxophone. Yeah, 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 and it's the romantic song that does things to her nether regions. Mm-hmm. So she comes down. He asks her to come with him, and he says, "Just think about it." And this is another yes. hallmark of his character. He doesn't want to manipulate her into anything. He doesn't, Mm -mm. you know, try to pressure her into anything. He says, this is what I want. I want you. I want Paris. I think you do too. Think about it and let me know. Here's when I'm leaving. Like, okay. See you then. Yes. But then. Oh, then we get this classic TV trope. Nature strikes, everybody. (laughs) They fit together so well that their sperms and eggs also (laughs) fit together real good. (laughs) And uh, she's hugging the toilet. Oh, no. Oh my gosh, wait, I'm so sorry. One note that I just saw while he's saying, like, come to Paris with me. She's like, that's crazy. What if we don't even work out? Because I think it's been roughly three weeks, you know? Yes. And he says that won't happen because the only thing that matters is us. And earlier in that scene where they were talking about following your dreams or whatever, she's like, how did you know that you love something that much? And he says, when it's the only thing that matters, maybe. And then he says, the only thing that matters is us. It's just all right in your heart parts. Yes. It's super cute. But then, gosh, she's back at that toilet, <laughs> you know, or we're back with her <laughs> at that toilet. And the cousin says. Mona walks up. Yes. Yeah. Mona walks up and she knows. Yeah. She's like, so I'm I'm putting two and five together. <laughs> and I think it might be seven pregnancies. <laughs> like, I think you're real pregnant. <laughs> and she's you're like, <laughs> like, you've got to, you've got to tell Robert. <sighs> so then they, he's waiting. Because he's gonna, yes. he's got to go to JFK or whatever, whatever airport was open at that time. <laughs> the boys are pressing on the horn because they are ready to go. The plane is leaving in an hour, Danny. They gotta go. <laughs> I know. It Luckily, it's pre nine eleven, so security, fair. security was a lot, yeah, lot fair. less stringent. People yeah. were still wearing pearls and suits on planes. So planes, exactly. All right, so. He, everybody's trying to leave and she's like, no, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't, I can't. And, um, oh, he says that. And then yes. they screech up. Mona drives her up and she's like, and he, oh, he says, oh my gosh, I'll go grab your, grab your suitcase. Yes. And then she stops him because there is no suitcase. It's just her. Yes. Cause she's not going. And she says she couldn't like not tell him goodbye. And then she says, I also have to tell you. You're gonna be a great John Coltrane. <laughs> like, oh no, she chickens out. Oh, she, she, yes, she, she in a big way. Tell him about the fetus. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so, I. This was a real. I. I was really confused for this moment on how. Like, how, whether or not she, this is where my mind is. I'm like, is she gonna keep the baby? I had but that it's same also thought. The 50s. No, I had that same so thought. Maybe I thought there was Mona no option. Was gonna find a girl to help her out. You know. Yeah. I really thought she was going to, like, find the neighborhood abortionist for her. But, you know, yeah. that doesn't happen. Anyway, so then he says, yes. see you later, alligator, as she's going off. And when he's out of earshot, she says, farewell, crocodile. Farewell, so Danny. <laughs> oh, no. But don't worry, because it's five years later. And she's working a switchboard at a TV station. Mm-hmm. So she's doing that operator thing. Niner, niner. Who can I get you to? Oh, Sal up on the 12th. Great. <laughs> that was such a great operator voice. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so she finds out about an assistant to the producer job. I thought that was so funny that she I heard it, it through the lady also wants the job. She's like, I'm just going to undercut you. <laughs> yes. <sighs> so she shows up for this job interview and she has zero experience. 
And the woman who's interviewing her is also a black woman. Yes. So they, you know, go back and forth. And then what's the impetus for her being like, I'm going to go? Because she tries to walk out of the interview. She asks her, like, well. She talks about late nights. Yeah. She says, like, we normally don't. She asks if she's married and she has any children. And so Sylvie answers yes to both. And she's like. Because it wasn't illegal back then. Right. And she asks, well, we typically don't hire that because this job has late nights and has a lot of hours and it can keep you know people from home yeah so this is when she gets mad she's like oh that's basically just code for you're looking for some hot young thing that the producer can chase around the office at night and so that's when the woman who is interviewing her says i am the producer of the (gasps) show and i am most certainly not looking for i'm certainly not looking to chase you around my office late at night and so then she sits back down and the producer says so why should i hire you with zero experience and she says, because until just now, I didn't know a black TV producer existed. Mm-hmm. And it's all I've ever wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Or maybe she's a black woman TV producer. I don't I know. I think she says a Negro. I didn't know a Negro woman produced, oh, yeah. could produce a TV show. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. <sighs> yes. And this is where we really start hitting the isms. Like, one thing that was interesting about this movie, considering when it was made, like, they don't really mm-hmm. run into a lot of things that would have been, I think, like, an issue at the time. They allude to it, especially with Mona later. Sure. Like, Mona is, like, at the Million Man March. And yes. I don't think that's what it's called, actually. The Million Man March happened in the 90s. She's at the, the first March on Washington. Yes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm mixing up my, my marches. <laughs> but we don't know. We don't allude to things like when it's her and it's Robert that summer, we don't, like, they don't have to deal with that stuff. And it's naive on one hand, but on the other hand, like it's really nice to see a movie that takes place in the past that has black characters where they're like not getting like called nigger or yes. word or not getting like victims of racist abuse. It's truly is like a love story. Yes. And I really, yeah, I really appreciated that for that part. Well, I mean, I guess that's what I was really trying to crystallize at the beginning, you know, and mm-hmm. you just said it so beautifully because it, it, because of that, it felt like a safe viewing experience from beginning to end mm-hmm. in a way that you don't get in the yeah. civil rights era or really any time, any time, right? Yeah. Like not only because of the scripts that are often written for black folks, but also because of the real life yeah. shit that was mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. And they do talk about it. Like they are definitely factors that play into Sylvie's life, but mm-hmm. she also has like I don't know. It feels condescending to say that, but it's like the only thing that defines her life. Like there are challenges she has to deal with, but they're not like destroying her life. She still has joy. She still has love. She still has other things, family and friendship. It was nice to see. Yeah, it was it was really great. And and I think it made a lot of the characters feel so much more well-rounded than often people are depicted on the screen. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it was just like you said, it was it was just so nice. Yes, it was so great. But now. She goes home to her husband, Lacey, who is the fiance who was in Korea and the whole thing. I went on a whole emotional journey with Lacey. Can I just Me say too. that? Whole up down Thank roller you. coaster with Lacey. Because I hate him right now. I hate his whole yeah. face. He was not, he's not winning over any friends. No. Not so great. She comes home elated to tell him about this new job that she got. And he cuts her off to tell him about a good thing that happened at his job. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I got the big account, the big account I've been talking to you about, the big one. And mm-hmm. I need, they're going to come over for dinner tomorrow. So like, make sure you have a roast on or whatever. And she's like, ooh, I might, like, I'm, I'm just starting this new job. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can get home in time to cook. 
And he looks at her and he says, remember our deal. You're allowed to work as long as it doesn't interfere with your duties at home. Exactly. It was just murder. (sighs) And this is like, this is the start when like reality really starts hitting, hitting Sylvie for us. Cause there's just, and it kind of keeps going, especially with Lacey. Lacey, We'll get to it. He has, like we, I said, up, down, roller coaster. We will get to it because he kind of almost redeems himself at the end. You know, it. but right now I want to kick him right out the door. And then I stared at him for like 30 minutes trying to figure out who he was. And I finally figured out who he was. Who is he? He plays, he plays did you ever watch Underground? No. There was a show that was on WGN, Kato. He was Kato on Underground. And I loved Kato on Underground because he was like, he was... He was a villain, but he was like a sympathetic villain. Okay. And he did such a good job. Nice. And I just loved, I was like, I can't hate his character. So I love him now. So anytime I see his face. Oh, you have good, yeah, you have good um, associations. And even when he acts badly, especially when he acts badly. Mm -hmm. So it was a real, yeah, it was a real struggle bus for me and Lacey. (laughs) Underground is a show where it's like a slave, like it's a group of seven. They're called the Macon Seven. They escape this plantation, but it's like framed like a heist film or like a heist. And he sort of is like the um, he's like in with like the master of the plantation, okay. But you, so he's sort of like he's like a I don't know what it is, but he's basically the rat on the slaves who kind of like rats them out to the other to the master. Whoa. But then he sort of gets himself involved with the group. He it's he's real morally complex. I love his character. I, I miss that show so much. So whoa, yeah, that sounds so really I guess that's good. My free promo for Underground. <laughs> we can bring it back. We'll get nice. it back. Yeah, if we get enough of a cult following. <laughs> Although it never worked for Firefly. I'm not bitter. They okay. got a movie. They, they did. They did get that movie. <laughs> okay, so basically, Lacey's here to crush her dreams, and then she goes directly into a dark room to put Robert's baby to bed, is my note. <laughs> She's like five, but like that is Robert's child. Yes, and this is really interesting because they don't tell us on the top how Lacey handled it. Or what Lacey knows. Right. And what, like, Lacey's family knows. And how she explained... I mean, she had... I guess she had to come... She had to come clean to her parents at some point. But yeah. we really never know, like, how that was all explained. We don't hear that till the end. Yeah. And I was uh, curious. I was a big curious. Okay. So, it's her first day at her producer job. Uh, producer's mm-hmm. assistant job. Mm-hmm. And it's a cooking show. And so, at the end of it, she asks if she can take <laughs> the beef bourguignon home. I don't even... Beef bourguignon. I don't know how to say that word either. I, you did a better job than I would. I am not a fancy. I actually don't even know what it is. I think it's a stew, maybe? I don't know. It looks like... Anyway. And she gets permission to take it all. <laughs> oh, my God. It's amazing. So now she has dinner for the fancy account. Yes. And I was in love. And the fancy account is very impressed as well. Yes. I was going to say, I love <laughs> I love Lucy, which is the name of the woman who is the on-air talent. Yes. The chef. She's like one of the best characters. She is. She comes back later with a joke that I wrote down Uh in my notes. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just the whole scene. She's just fun. So yeah, she gives her the meal so that she can serve it to the the fancy account for the Evans account. This gave me flashbacks. I watched a lot of sitcom, like 50s, 60s sitcom TV growing up. Because yay, Nick at night. And there was always talk about like some account and you never understood like what the fuck does that yeah, mean? Yeah, what do you even do? What do you 
what do you do with these accounts? I know. Accounts for what? What are you doing? Why are you whining and dining them in your house to get it? I know. We're the lawyers. It makes no sense. I know. I know. And it doesn't for this either. But I guess that's like how corporate life was in the 60s. You also had to like entertain or whatever. Kill me now. So basically, the men go off to drink because they're men and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Sylvie makes them coffee. But she finds out real quick that they're big old bigots. Mm -hmm. The woman on the or the wife of the corporate guy, right? The the account. The wife of the account. Yeah, right? the best way to put it. Yeah. She makes a lot of comments that's like, I don't know, like, I didn't even know he was black on the phone. Like, mm-hmm. oh, his company has been targeted by the NAACP for unfair hiring practices. Yes. She says it gets the NAACP off their back. Oh, so gross. So, yes. So then afterwards, Lacey is like, she, he's like, wow, so they were like wonderful, weren't they? And she was like, uh, you think so? Not really. And he goes, yeah, they were perfectly gracious. And she says, Lacey, they're racist. Like, <laughs> I yeah. don't know what to do with this. And then he storms off in a huff because he knows yeah. it's true. But he doesn't want to say it out loud. Yeah. Again, this was the scene where I like felt she felt really stifled because I was I was worried how he at this point, he's not like, I didn't want him to be abuse. Like, I didn't know if he was going to spin out and be like full on abusive. So I was yeah. really on edge with that. I didn't really like that. But he was definitely dismissive of her. He's been dismissive. Lacey, when he's first in the show, he's dismissive of her mm-hmm. from like the jump. He's dismissive of her job. He's dismissive of her opinion. When she says this fact, like they're bigots, you shouldn't really care. He's sort of dismissive about that too, even though you would think it's something that he would be as equally concerned about. So right. I was also, this is minor. <laughs> This is very minor. It's going to make me sound like an asshole. <laughs> I, she's loading the dishwasher in the scene. And I was like, they had dishwashers in the 60s? So that was also, I didn't realize dishwashing technology was that old. So. Fantastic. But yeah. So, but yeah, I just thought it was a really, every, the first few scenes with Lacey was just full of tension for me. And like, I think it's an interesting foil for, uh, for Robert. Yeah. And how easily they got along. Yeah, absolutely. Jump. Yeah, because everything about her is just like, tense and repressed and you yes. can tell there's four sentences just swirling around in her mind that she wants to let loose but she can't mm-hmm. oh because she's trying to be perfect she's trying to be the woman what people expect of her yeah she's trying to be the woman her mom wanted her to be yeah and also the woman she wants to be oh it's so much okay yes so now all of a sudden we're back at the infamous theater meeting and that blue dress. And that blue dress and those elbow length gloves. Oh my gosh. So they're sitting in these box seats for a singer of some sort. Mm-hmm. She takes off her gloves and he sees the wedding ring on her finger and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. balls. I love the fact that you talked about the foil because this went from the tense scene with Lacey in the kitchen to a bunch of tension for exactly the opposite reason Mm -hmm. they're so floored that they've seen each other again they can feel the energy that still exists between them and Mm -hmm. it is just yummy Mm -hmm. oh my gosh and so they're she's in a cab Uh she's leaving she's like can i give you a ride someplace and he's like no i'm just around the corner so she knows where he's staying yeah and so later he's in his hotel room Uh 
I was momentarily confused because I thought somebody was in the room with him, but there wasn't because I was like, wait, they're doing that in front of somebody? <laughs> um, and so he's so very confused. That would have been so quite the twist. <laughs> so I was like, I was like wait I'm a not minute. Lie. <laughs> I thought he was bunking with like one of his bandmates. So I was very momentarily shocked for a bit. But there's a knock at his door and he opens it up and it's Sylvie standing there looking kind of nervous. <sighs> But then she comes in and they just start a kiss. She says, she says a date ends with a kiss. Oh, that's right. She repeats the line. I forgot. Everything in this movie, like there is not a single line that's wasted. Not a single utterance of this movie is wasted. Yes. Oh, so he pulls her into that room and they're all grabby elbows again. You know, like it is. Getting naked. So they go right to it. Oh, yeah. And you see her insane 50 or 60s underwear. It's just fabulous. <laughs> like the bodysuit that's under her dress for roughly no exactly. reason. The Oh, man. And then and it's like this is this, like this montage sex scene. And then mm-hmm. afterwards, he asks her to come on tour with him again. And she says she can't. And he says, oh, because of him. And mm-hmm. she says, no, because of her. And she pulls yes. out a picture of her daughter and shows it to him. Yes. And the look, God. the look on her face. It messes him up. And so he says she's beautiful. And there's this like hesitation and this look on her face that he can't see because he's looking at the photo. But we see and it just like mm-hmm. hit me right in my breastbone. She goes, isn't she just? And it's like, oh, she wants to tell him so badly, but she doesn't think she yeah. can. Oh, my gosh. So she chickens out. Uh, and he's real. He's really. I was focusing on like his emotions. too, Because yeah. you can sort of see him like kind of clench up and he goes like, oh, bartender, another drink. And he gets out of bed yeah. and he goes to get another drink. And it's like there's a wall between them now. Well, yeah, because I think I think in his mind he was like, there's a chance. You know, she showed yes. up in my hotel room. There's a chance. Yeah. Even if she's married, we can do this. And then the moment he found out that she had a daughter, she, he's like, oh, she's never yeah. going to leave her daughter. Like, that's never going to happen. But I do love that he doesn't do the math at this point. He does not do the math, <laughs> which well, I, I guess. found hilarious. <laughs> to be fair, like, I guess if you're I not know. hanging around little kids, it's hard to age them. So he may not yeah. have known, like, that that's kid could be three or five. Yes, no that, idea. Honestly, a lot so. of times I don't even know. And I have them. So, you know. Um, all right. So he sends her comps to his show. Yes. And this is the point where I started losing all track of time. Like after yes. after they have this first like sleep together, I didn't know like, okay, how long are they apart before he sends the comps to the tickets? Is this like the next night? I think it was the is next day. Is it a day. few weeks later? Okay. Because they're on tour. Time from here on out. Right. Yeah. So they're so Time from here on out was just really blurry for me. It's so hazy. Yeah. Because they're mm-hmm. recording an album and then they're going on tour. So maybe it was like a week or something, but I thought it was the next day. Yeah. So the husband comes home. Lacey comes home because the big check for the big account cleared. And he wants to take them to Disney in two weeks. And she says, Lacey, yes. I can't go to Disney. Like, I just started just my job. job. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, so quit your job. I make enough money. You don't need to work. Yeah. And she's like, mm-hmm. I really like my job. And then mm-hmm. he says, how about... We go out on Friday and celebrate my big accomplishment, and then we will talk about it then. And that's Lacey's mm-hmm. whole thing. We'll talk about it at a later date. And he's always tabling subjects as a way to dismiss her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, 
So and then he's like, oh, 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 but she has plans on Friday. She tells him he's work. She's working late, but really she's going to go to his concert. Ooh. Yes. Oh, this whole, this whole cluster of misunderstanding. There's like dual misunderstandings that happen. At this I concert. was shouting on my couch. Michael literally yes. started like, just like cackling at our dinner table being like melody <laughs> calm well, down up, yeah and up until this point they've avoided that cliche where it's like if you just talk to each other right like they've communicated clearly like back at the birthday party where he's like why are you mad she's like because i wanted to like they talk about things yeah. and that's what's nice they like they don't let things fester and do that dumb sitcom misunderstanding right and then we get two like well one and a half giant sitcom misunderstandings yeah and like one of it so it was wild it was crazy yeah so she goes to borrow her dad's car for the concert because she needs to drive there it's it's a it's a far and the dad's like well she's been a little uh unreliable lately and like watch the hose of some sort i don't know (laughs) dad stuff yeah dad stuff and then um (laughs) he looks at her and he goes are you gonna tell him and she says i don't know and then she leaves. Yeah. So she has car trouble on the way and misses the concert. Yes. And he's a big sad because she missed the concert. And so he thinks she stood him up. Mm-hmm. So then one of his bandmates, because they're back in New York, one of his bandmates like, I have a surprise for you. And Connie gets out of the back of the truck. Connie who said, like, being with her is like babysitting. Yes. She gets out, and she's wearing a trench coat and lingerie. Connie! (laughs) Be original at least. Maybe it was original back then. Maybe now it's a cliche. And we all see, because she opens, she's like, ooh, and he's like, please, just get in the car. Yeah. (laughs) But it's wild. Sylvie, in her her beautiful, shining yellow coat, Comes yes. over and she just sees Connie doing a big hum and a hum and a shimmy. And then she sees him putting her into the car. And then she, gosh, she gets all sad. She books it. And so she fucks off. And then he finally looks over and I'm on my couch shouting, you should have looked over 20 seconds ago. <laughs> Too busy with Connie in her wig. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> And so then he looks around one more pass around the parking lot just to make sure she didn't get there. And then he leaves with Connie. She's already gone. Oh, no. And at the same time, while this is happening, mm-hmm. the job, I guess it's a busy night at the office. Ooh. And they're like, oh, call Sylvie or Miss Johnson's home and ask, like, is Sylvie still here? And the secretary's like, no, she's already left her home. And because this is the 60s, we don't have cell phones. She's like, okay, right. call her home. So he ca- they call the house. Mm-hmm. She's not there. Presumably Lacey answers. And oh boy, so does it he ever. pretty much outs her. Yeah. And it outs her. It's like, oh, you weren't where you said you were. So she comes home and he's doing the classic man. I've been sitting in the dark with a drink. He's got his undershirt and a drink. <laughs> it's one of those, you guys. Yes. He, man. Yeah. Man fuming. <laughs> Yeah. He's, like, he's doing a big brood. Like, <laughs> yes. That's exactly what it is. He's got like a tumbler of scotch. It's true. And as she walks in, he's like, your work called. Also, yes. I know his band's playing. I heard it all yes. over the radio. I know he's in town. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And Tessa Thompson just silently goes over to him and sits down on the floor, like at his feet 
and drapes mm-hmm. herself over his knees and grabs his hand and just like looks up at him with her beautiful shining Sad Tessa Thompson eyes, eyes just brimming with tears a tiny bit. And yeah. he says, I could have picked any girl in Harlem and I chose and she goes, I know you chose me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's all they say. That's all we get. That's a, that's all that happens in this scene. <laughs> Oh, that was a scene. We were acting in that scene. Well, and I was on pins and needles because I was like, is Lacey going to go like full asshole? Is like, is this when it happens? You know? Yeah. Thank goodness it didn't. Because really, we find out later that Lacey is a good guy. He's just not her guy. Yeah. Their marriage doesn't seem to be so much like talk. It's just bitter and they're not good. They're not the one. No. I was about to say they're not what each other wants, but I think on his on his end he did want her and he kind of knew he was we're getting ahead of ourselves sorry we're like, getting ahead of ourselves sorry that was a real moment for me and it like gutted i was like me oh too. that was such a that was such a line me okay. too okay but we have to get there so we'll go yes all right so all of a sudden it's new year's happy new year oh i love this scene. Glug, 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 champagne that's my champagne noise glug, glug, glug. <laughs> in other I news that's scene. also my daughter's noise for a fish we say what does a fish glug, say glug, glug. Glug, glug. <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. That's adorable. <laughs> it's the champagne. Kids are so dumb. <laughs> it's so funny. I love it. Okay, I'm I so did sorry. love. I loved this whole scene. I loved mm-hmm. everyone's dress. I oh. loved the naked, the half naked man wearing the sash yes. that said 1963. Oh. I loved everything about it. Was it was so like, good. It was wild back then. You know what? If that was what New Year's was like now. <laughs> I would do New Year's all the time. New Year's would be my holiday. That's what I would do. Like, that would be the one. But, man, is it just not... It's not like any New Year's party I've ever been to. I don't know. I feel like there's so much stress to make New Year's Eve. It's like you're stressed to have a good time. And, like, there's only one definition of a good mm. time. So it's basically a big party and, like, drinking. It's like, I don't want to do all that. Can we just... Yeah. Well, this yeah. thing I didn't mind. Like, this was clearly corporate sponsored. And I don't... Like, someone's providing... the like, right. the company's providing the booze. I was all right. here for that. It's just, I don't know. I didn't, I love this whole scene. And Cameron's there. Eva Longoria does this dance. This whole dance scene. Does <laughs> D- a dance in a girdle, I will tell you. I will have with, you know. With backup dancers dressed as Matador. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everything about great. it was iconic. It was pretty it was great. amazing. She was wearing like 1950s capris. And Carmen, yeah, or Connie is over there looking like the sexiest disco ball. The sexiest disco ball flapper I've ever seen. Who's Connie? Connie's the, the girlfriend. The the blonde. The the black girl with the blonde. You That's said right. The okay. girl with the wig. The hamana hamana lady. The I dancer, blanked for five. I thought, you were talking about, I thought you were talking about Sylvie again. I didn't know Connie was at this party. Connie was on his arm. They were dates. They did a big reconnect because he thought he got stood up by Sylvie. Yes. Okay. So now we find out that Dickie makes a metric fuck ton more money than he does. We find mm-hmm. out that Dickie is cheating on Eva Longoria with the hot duchess or the countess or whoever she is. Yes. Dickie is dicking around. Then he gets a call. <sighs> he gets like <laughs> a phone call from Mr. J. And I was like, mind your business, sir. <laughs> like, Loved it. Why? <laughs> well, we find out why like, later. Just, yeah, we do. But I was still like, he's starting shit. Why are you starting shit? He knew. Mr. J's perfect uh. in every way. But I hear you. I hear your concerns. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> we will not besmirch Mr. J. That's right. And Mr. J tells Bobby, Robert, 
all about Michelle mm-hmm. and that he's the dad mm-hmm. and that it's been a whole mm-hmm. thing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then, then she's at her own New Year's party. And yes. yes, that's the one I was thinking of. Yes. Sorry. And so we find out that her boss is quitting because she's getting married. And mm-hmm. um, she's like, oh, man, well, I guess I'm gone now because the new ma- the new producer is going to want to bring in her her his or her own assistant. And then we find out that the producer made sure that she was next in line. She she did a yes. big recommend and a big lady love. Yes, <sighs> it's Sylvie's the new producer. Sylvie's and there's this the moment. Producer. Yeah, there's this moment where she's like, where's my husband? And she's like, oh, I think he fell asleep in the office. And she goes and he's asleep in this big corner office that's going to be hers. And it's got this great view of like New York. And she's like, it's got this. It's just so it was such a moment for her. And I was really proud of her. It's got this big mahogany desk. And boy, does she sexily put her feet up on that big mahogany desk like the boss she is. Oh, it was such a satisfying moment. It really was. Yeah, it was a big inspire. I also thought that she might have walked. She was going to walk in on <laughs> Lacey cheating on her. Me too. I especially was so after worried. the Dickie incident. <laughs> I don't know why I can't give this guy a break, but no, he's just asleep on the couch. You know what it is? I think it's because we're both used to really, really bad things happening to anybody in movies. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like something's got to go wrong. Somebody has to be yeah. a complete piece of shit. Not yes. in this movie, though. That's so great. Yes. Okay. So now, New Year's Day. She heads, they head home. They finally get home and his parents are at the house and mm-hmm. they tell her that her father had a heart attack at the party he was at that they had been at earlier in the night and he mm-hmm. died. Man, it's so sad. And so then there's a wake. Yeah. So then Lacey starts looking for her and he comes into the dad's office and she's like furiously making notes about the show she's going to be producing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he says, everybody's out there waiting for us. Like they need, we need to be out there with our guests and like being gracious yeah. hosts or whatever. You need to be a hostess, yeah, the, essentially. The TV station will understand it's your dad's funeral and all that. Jam. Right. Yeah. And she's like, first of all, no, they won't. That's not how this industry works. And second mm-hmm. of all, this has woken me up and there's no time to waste on doing things that you don't absolutely love. And then mm-hmm. he he's like, where does that leave me? And she says, sit down. Oh, boy. She does. <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> and she says, you married me even though I was pregnant. And that was a noble thing to do. So I've tried to be the woman you want me to be. But it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I just can't anymore. Mm-hmm. And then. Oh, and when he comes back, oh. with, it's just so. This is where he, like, he really pulled it. He goes, like, I didn't marry you because it was noble. I married you because I loved you. And I didn't oh. want you to be the woman of my dreams. I wanted to be the man of yours. But that position has already been filled, he says. And he's doing oh, it with, like, I... tears going down his cheeks. <laughs> telling you a roller coaster. I know. A whole up and down with Lacey. And, and that's the thing. He just... He he's a good man. He just needed a more traditional woman, right? Yes. Like mm-hmm. they're just not the product of how he was raised. Yeah. yeah. And that's so. you know, not not terrible. It's just not it's not an environment that Sylvie particularly can thrive in, you know? Yeah. It's so sad. So heartbreak is my yeah. note. Heartbreak exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> yes, I really fell for him. Me too. So 
I almost wanted their marriage to work out, and then I forgot why it was here. (laughs) (laughs) Keep your priorities straight, Danny. (laughs) I will have none of this. (laughs) All right. So now things are tense with the band because Dickie makes all the monies and he's being a dick. And Mm -hmm. then they're shooting pool and Chico, the Duke of Hastings, tells Bobby because they're in Atlanta now. They're on tour. And Mona is also in Atlanta doing community organizer things for the civil Mm -hmm. rights movement. Mm -hmm. And Mona tells Chico that Sylvie and her husband have split up for good. Mm -hmm. And so... He basically wastes no time. He has one conversation with a guy who works at Motown Records. And he's like, yeah, let me know if you're ever in town. It's just Motown. And then we see him get in a car with a map. (laughs) And then he gets out in New York. (laughs) And I really think that's how he did it. I think he was like, bladder, (laughs) fuck off. It's time for me to get to Sylvie. (laughs) <laughs> what is how many hours does it take to drive from atlanta to new york i mean a lot and this is a 60s car it was at least a day that's a day yeah drive. because their average miles per hour was like 55 maybe exactly like, yeah their gas mileage was crap it would take at least two days mm-hmm. absolutely he didn't sleep he didn't sleep no he didn't he said i will not be nourished <laughs> I will not be hydrated. I will not take care of any of my bodily functions. It's me and Sylvie time now. <laughs> it's right back to him bounding up those stairs for that kiss. Oh, it's so true. Oh, my gosh. That parallel is so perfect. Oh, okay. So he shows up as an unwashed mess. No, he doesn't. He's so gorgeous. And she answers the door in her rollers and scarf in a way that was just beautiful. She made it work. I know. And he says, I know about Michelle. Your dad called Mm -hmm. me on his deathbed in the hospital. I don't even know how he got that phone number, Danny. That's that's a very valid point because he wasn't at home. He wasn't at his house. I guess if they knew they're at a hotel, I guess he left it because Carmen leaves the message saying someone's trying to get in contact. That's true. Movie magic. You know what? That's true. It doesn't even matter. Mr. J is magic. And (laughs) and he he did a big save the plot. All right. Yes. So he says, why didn't you tell me? Did you think I wasn't good enough? Did you think I couldn't provide like Lacey could? And she's like, no, I just didn't want to make you choose. I didn't want to make you Mm -hmm. choose me and this baby or your actual dreams. Mm -hmm. And... He says he wants to meet her, and she says that she wants him to. Aww. And then they play on the swings the next day. They do. It's very cute. I love it. I like how she tells the little girl to stop swinging and to properly introduce herself. She was very much her mother. I know. In that moment. Eunice was, <laughs> Eunice's <laughs> upbringing was there. It's so true. Okay, so then he's like, wow, I." they go to this Chinese restaurant, and they have dinner, and they're a full-on couple, everybody. It's Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. Like their future together is on. And he says he just wants to take care of her and Michelle. And then Mm -hmm. he can't use chopsticks, which I found so endearing. (laughs) And then they dance in the Chinese restaurant. They dance again. They get their dance. Yes. Danny. It was very sweet. The whole mood of this movie was just very like, I just loved how chill it was and how soothing. Yes. It was very, even when they had their little minor breakups, it was still like... I don't know. I just really enjoyed the atmosphere. Sorry. Yeah. That was just a I felt safe the whole time. I knew yeah. everybody was going to mm-hmm. be taken care of and they were going to take care of me. 
And it was nice. It was. Um, Yeah, there were no shenanigans on the horizon. And I liked that about this movie. Yeah. Okay, so now Robert tries to get a meeting, like, he tries to get a solo career going. And they tell him Jazz is dead and to go fuck himself. And I was like, Jazz will never die, first of all. But then I was also like, he can't, you can't give your brother a chance to, like, write you a pop song. Like, those skills can't transfer over at all. You can't, you can't introduce him to baby Stevie Wonder and have him, like, doing some backup (laughs) saxophone. Nothing. Thank you. Nothing. It was ridiculous. It was bonkers. Especially since he's, like, the next John Coltrane. I don't understand. Everybody says he's so fucking talented. Miles Davis wanted to meet him earlier in the movie. Everybody knows that he's like this savant of the saxophone and yet and yet just leaving him behind. All right. Yes. So to the point yeah. where he's desperate enough to call up the friend. Is it Big Tank? Chico. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he calls up whoever has an in at Motown Records in Detroit mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, yeah, come on down. Do the thing. We'll do it. And so he tells Sylvie that. Oh my god. This scene, the the difference with which Robert talks to her compared to Lacey earlier in the movie mm-hmm. is just mm-hmm. so good. So she comes home mm-hmm. and he says, "I've got this line on a new opportunity in Detroit, and I would really like it if we could move there as a family, but I know mm-hmm. your job is really important to you, and so just think it over. Just think about it." And she does. <laughs> She's like, yes, I thought about it. She says, yes. And he goes, yes, you'll think about it. And she's like, no, yes, I'll go with you. We'll be a family. She's like, yes, yes, I thought about it. Yes, we'll go with you. It's really cute. It's so beautiful. They pack him up. They like send him off and like Uh little girls there. And they're like, see you later. He says, "Uh, see you later. She tells the little girl to yell like, see you later, alligator. Uh It's such a cute little moment with like the... Also, they have a nice house. That was just another thought That's I had. Nice another house. note I have is like, they have a great house. I mean, that account, just cute- you know, that big account <laughs> was big. Um, <laughs> and so I just thought the when they sent him off to Detroit, it was just really cute. And they're like all happy for him. And they're all going to be this big family. It well, and just- it was another it was another callback that just felt like it it made the it just they just kept on completing circles throughout the movie mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. was so lovely. Okay, so then he gets to Detroit, and it's a tragedy. There's a big tragedy that strikes. It turns out that guy was full of shit. He basically is a glorified errand boy. He has no in. He has no connections. He can do nothing. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. He's 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 being yelled at to go to the cleaners when we when we see him. Yeah, and poor Robert is standing there with the suitcase and the stuffed dog in his hand to take back to Michelle, which just made the whole thing feel super sad. Saying, "You told me you had a job." Right. He just keeps repeating, "You told me you had a connection at Motown." It's like he can't get past. You told me you would get me into the band, man. Yes. Like, and the guys like everybody in Detroit knows I'm full of shit. You kind of should have known exactly that too. Awesome. I'm late for the cleaners. <laughs> he oh says my gosh. almost word for word what you just said. Yeah. Everyone in Detroit knows I'm full of shit. Holy God. I'm, sorry, I'm not from Detroit. Yeah, I haven't been here in years. <laughs> oh. So he shows back up at the studio and she is just running that show like the sexy producer she is. And she's changed it. Oh, she's got the headset on. Please tell them about the a joke. Clipboard. 
Oh yeah. And Oh yes. Yeah, and under the last producer, she had she had the talent being like all prim and proper and like nineteen fifties housewife. Yeah. And Sylvia looked at her and said, Have you ever thought about just like letting her be herself? Because we watch her tell this joke, take it, Danny. She's telling she's hanging out with a group of, I guess, other men on set, cameramen, whatever. And she's talking this joke about a lady and a man who are trapped out in the freezing cold and the man has to change a tire and his hands <laughs> get cold so she's so the lady's like oh well put your hands in between my legs and warm them up i'll warm them right up yes he does his hands get warmed up and he goes out and he goes back to change the tire and he comes back in he's like oh my hands are cold again can i put them in between your legs to warm them up and he does he warms his hands up in between her legs and then he goes out and puts and keeps working on the tire and he comes back in the car and the lady goes when are your ears gonna get cold <laughs> and lucy <laughs> it's so funny and what makes the joke more enjoyable is like lucy is genuinely enjoying this joke she's told this like rather blue joke and mixed company in front of all her co-workers and she's like laughing it up and she's pointing at a guy he's like he doesn't get it he doesn't get it and she's yeah, laughing he's so again. sweet look at you you cutesy pants and she's like <laughs> she's full-on knee slapping she's having the time of her life she's tickled pink if you will yes i probably mauled that joke i only wrote the um <laughs> no you did it perfectly punchline. that's what the joke was it's so good <laughs> when are and, like, your the ears producer- gonna get cold <laughs> Oh my gosh. I and the producer it. and Sylvie are looking over at her and Sylvie's like, why don't you just let her be yourself? She's like, we wouldn't make it past the censor. Yeah. But Sylvie does let her do that with, you know, the reins on a little bit. Yes. And so now it's like this totally different show and the lady is like elated to be there again. And, and uh, yeah, yeah, so he's looking at her. He's having these flashbacks of how earlier in in the time he told her or he thought like, I want her to be happy, even if that means I'm not in her life. Mm-hmm. And gosh, she just looks so happy and and fulfilled at her job. And so he goes and waits in her office. And then he says, I have to go to Detroit and I don't want you to come with me. Yes. And she's obviously floored because she's already lined up a producer's job in Detroit. Like she's talking about schools. Yeah. Looking at schools, <laughs> doing the whole thing. And he says, I don't want you to come. And she's obviously befuddled. And she's like, what happened Mm -hmm. in between when you left and when you got back to change this? Like, did you run into Mm -hmm. Connie, I ask you? And he's like, no, nothing like that. But he won't answer her. And so she Mm -hmm. says, get out of here. And when you want to come back, do me a favor and don't. don't. Yes. I was like, ah, oh, male pride. Because that's the only thing. Like, there's no re- reason. There's literally no reason. And we got a hint of this earlier that we didn't really talk about because he had been running into job troubles already. And she was like, listen, I can cover stuff for now. Yeah. And yeah. he says, but what kind of man would that make me? And she says, a mm-hmm. man that's doing his best. And so yeah. he tries to pull a big toxic masculinity on her at that point and then relents. And now he just mm-hmm. can't do it. He can't do it. His pride. So he leaves. And then an yes. amorphous amount of time goes by. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's working at the auto plant. She's being a hell of a producer. Boy, is she. Mm-hmm. And then she gets this call from Mona. Yes. Who says, um, I'm in D.C. for the march and you should mm-hmm. come down for it. And she says, the show films on the day of the march. I can't, but I'll come down yes. this weekend. Yeah, we'll hang out. So she shows up at the hotel to go see Mona 
and just randomly runs in to Eva Longoria. I was like, what is she even doing here? How does, like, Washington, D.C. is so big. How does she accidentally run into Eva Longoria's character It was fate, I tell you. Oh, so wild. Uh, So Eva's like, I'm here to see our old pals play in the band because they're with a new chick. And Bobby was supposed to come down and play with us, but he couldn't get time out from the plant. Mm-hmm. And she goes, is that what they're calling Motown nowadays? Yeah. And she's like, <laughs> no, he works at the auto plant. And all like everything clicks into place for Sylvie. She knows what mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. And then she has this beautiful conversation with Mona on a beach. Yes. And they do they do this callback to when they were um, on the roof. Not on the roof, but yeah, on yeah, the roof throughout. listening They've to. They've been doing it the whole yeah, time. Yeah, about like, what's your favorite song from the summer? What's your favorite song from senior year of high school? So they're doing that again. And then she goes, why wouldn't he tell me? And Mona goes, probably for the same reason you didn't tell him about Michelle. He didn't want you to have to choose between mm-hmm. your career and him. And then she says, a love like that doesn't come around all the time. It's extraordinary. Mona! Um, This movie, like the way everything ties up, it's just so satisfying. Everything, as you say, there's not a word that's wasted. Everything is done so exquisitely and it comes back. It's so great. It's so wonderful. It's so So she shows up at the, in Detroit, at the auto plant in the most beautiful teal convertible (laughs) I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) The car, the trench coat, the dress. I was like, yes. I loved it. Oh, I loved it. The bouffants, just her, just the sheer level of bouffant throughout this movie on Sylvie <laughs> is just otherworldly. Like, I don't even know how they do it. I don't know how women in that day pulled it off. I can never get my hair that big without it looking all wonky. I guess, I guess it's a lot of back combing and hairspray. <laughs> yeah. And there's also hair pieces, I think. They put like yeah. you know, whole things in there. Anyway, sorry. I got sidetracked. Listen, I side, I've taken this off track <laughs> left and right. So. You're more than welcome. (laughs) So she goes up to him and she says, do you remember that thing you told me about wanting me to be happy even if you're not a part of my life? Well, what if I can't be happy unless you're a part of it? And then he says, well, I guess that means we're stuck with each other. Yeah. And they walk off hand in hand and they're together forever. (laughs) No more games. No more games. They ride off in that teal convertible into the sunset. Here's my other thing. Why he can't get random job in New York? Again, it's the pride. I don't think he wanted to admit, like, she never knew he didn't go to Motown. As far as she can, as far as she was concerned, he got the job in Motown and oh. then suddenly decided he didn't want them to come because she runs into Carmen oh. and she's like, oh, is that what? She still thinks he's at Motown. So he can't come back home and like, I don't think he could. You're it's right. Back to that pride. He couldn't come home and say, oh, I didn't get the job. And then get a job in New York. He had to. It's so dumb. Like he had to commit to this lie, this dumb, oh, la, this dumb lie. I the know. whole thing that was going to keep them apart, unless she, until she figured it out. Like if she hadn't figured it out, they would have stayed apart because he was too prideful to say, "I didn't get the motel." It's game. true. It's really true. Especially <sighs> since she, she's making money. Let yeah. her make money, man. Yeah. So hopefully he comes back and gets a random job in New York that leads to some sort of music gig that turns into his dream. That's what I'm going to believe yes. happened. I'm going to say she used her producer connections to get him some kind Ooh. of like media job at the station. And then there we go. Yeah. I like so. it. 
Like, I like this movie. The ending was a little, I don't want to say anticlimactic. It was very like that whole playing things cool. I thought it would be a big, I don't know. I thought when they finally got together yeah. and got to stay together, it'd be a bigger thing. It definitely wasn't like a run up in the rain and make out, you know, kind yes. of situation. Definitely wasn't yes, that. It was very low key. Yeah, but I felt like that grounded it more in a way that I it just did. loved. Ugh. Yeah, I know. Just the sap in me wanted, <laughs> I wanted my big moment of life. I hear you. I love you. All that, all that jazz. You wanted him to run up the stairs like the most <laughs> eager beaver in the world. <laughs> or she could run, or was like an officer and a gentleman, she can run on the floor of the factory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> like, let's, let's really lean into it. So, but it's fine. It's fine. Oh, that's fabulous. What a good choice, Danny. Thank you. Yeah, I've been in a reading. <laughs> Or reading slumps. So when you offered, I was like, let's read this sweet, sappy movie. Yeah. Don't take your mind off. You also asked, like, before, like, we scheduled this pre, like, inauguration and pre the big fires oh, yeah. that started burning. Oh, yeah. So I'm I'm doubly glad we picked this really nice, safe, soothing movie. Same. Yeah. It was yeah. it was <laughs> a balm to the soul in so many it ways. It really was. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon's got another original I would have to check out, like One Night in Miami or something. I don't know. If yeah. Is, yeah. I don't know what's going on with the streaming services. I don't know if this is stuff they sort of had planned or if this is COVID, like them reacting to like COVID, but the originals on like Netflix and Amazon. They're coming out swinging. To a point. Yeah. They've been really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. I really yeah. want to see that one too. I'm hoping I can get Michael to um to read it with me <laughs> or read it with yeah. me. Watch it with me. All right. Do you have a lady love? I've been distracting. I feel like I told you this before. I talk about it a lot. I've been playing a lot of Stardew Valley. Ooh, Erin does too. She's married yes, to Elliot. Yes, we talk about it on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> yes, we talk about it on Twitter. Elliot's the best husband because he's a writer and he writes you poems. Um, and he'll write you a whole romance novel if you answer the right questions. Nice. Basically, when the pandemic began and like the Switch was sold out, yeah. it was also like finding one was like $500. Oh my gosh. Molly, who was my co-host, uh-huh. said... You should check out Stardew Valley. It's similar and it's $15. So I was like, oh, that's great on two points. Yeah. And it's basically this this game where you go and you have a farm and there's like, you can pick how you want to play your game. So you can like manage your successful farm. But there's also this social aspect to it where like you can go out and you can like, there's singles uh-huh. in town. So you can go out and like you have to woo all the singles and you can date them and you can eventually get married and all that jazz. So I've been playing a lot of that. And we, she said it first, but I can't get it out of my head. We have both talked about possibly creating our own farming sim based off of Beverly Jenkins' A Chance at Love. <gasps> because we've already got the story pitched basically. Because in that book, what's her name? I can't remember. Really I want to say Billy. It's not Billy. Or is it Billy? Basically, the main character of that book is um, she rides into town with a bunch of like mail order brides and like these precocious twins kind of like say we want you to be our uncle's wife. And so she goes to the farm just for kicks and they're like a marriage of convenience. And like, we could do a whole storyline where oh my you gosh. ride into town as like a mail order bride. And you can like, this is brilliant. Yeah, we thought it'd be great. You can pick your husband and you can like work on your little farm. And like, you could date all the men who are looking for like their mail order brides. Cause that's how it's treated in the game. Yeah. I've read other situations where you pick the bride specifically and then they're married. But in this one, it's like a whole gaggle of them come to town and then the men, I guess, get to pick and choose among them. Amazing. So that was, so I've been doing a lot of Stardew Valley and pitching 
the game I would create if I could figure out how to code. She's oh. given me some tools. Nice. Molly has like, she's like, yeah, here, investigate this stuff. So that's what I've been doing, playing a lot of Stardew Valley. Amazing. I feel like if you've listened to me on any other podcast, you've already heard me talk about <laughs> it. But it's literally the only thing that's kept me sane lately. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aaron, Aaron is the same. Like on hiatus, I'm doing all the reading I possibly can. And she's like, man, I have been... I have been just blissfully hanging out with Elliot. Like, it's so yeah. good. She's been doing a lot of Stardew Valley as well. It's really good. Yes. And we talk about how much we hate Sebastian because Sebastian is, he's another he's bachelor a tool. who lives. Yeah. Yes. He lives in his parents' basement and he complains about how his stepdad doesn't love him. And he's like, Sebastian, you have to be at least 25. We need you to stop. <laughs> we, need you to, we need you to grow up. Yeah. Seriously. So, it's a really good game. I'd recommend it. Wonderful. All right. I have a recommendation for podcast okay okay everybody listen to the sound of my voice right now listen to the words i'm about to say you need to go and download in strange woods in strange woods yes so here's my pitch it's basically serial or another really really good true crime investigative journalist podcast meets broadway so it's a it's a fictional musical podcast that's done exactly like a true crime sort of documentary podcast or investigative podcast. And it is so brilliant. And there's this one song that comes up about halfway through episode two that I I've heard it doesn't happen to everyone, right? It just it hit me like right in my soul. And so I was on a walk by myself in the park. It was like some really, really valuable me time. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to In Strange Woods and all of a sudden this one song comes on and I literally just started bawling in the park. Oh, no. <laughs> like, I thought you were going to say dancing. Full on <laughs> tears down my face. <laughs> like it was such a wonderful emotional release. And it's it's like in a sad but really like inspirational kind of way because the whole thing, the whole premise of the the fictional world is that this kid um goes out partying with his friends in the woods and he's drunk and he gets lost in the middle of the night and he ends up freezing to death and so like it's like a they talk about the search trying to find his um him or then of course trying to find his body later and then um but then the real part of the story is that his little sister peregrine becomes completely obsessed with wanting to be self-sufficient enough in the woods to survive she basically becomes a tiny survivalist and then she gets all of her friends into being a survivalist and then they're supposed to do this like final exam kind of thing where they go out into the woods and like find their way home and (laughs) it is so gorgeous and the music is incredible everybody needs to go listen to it immediately it's perfect okay that sounds really good i gotta listen to that super good yeah. All right. Cool. So, yeah. Danny, where can we find you? <laughs> Tell us. I am. I am currently. So my active podcast. I am currently on Black Chick Lit, where we talk about books that are by and for Black women. Yeah. We just recorded. I don't know if it's up yet, and I don't know if it'll be up by the time this podcast is up. But, but it we will just be recorded. <laughs> Yay! We just recorded our Urban Lit 
fic pick. I can't remember what we're calling. It. Our, our, we always every January we do it every January. Fiction. Yeah. Yes, we review some urban fiction and we talk about it. And it's always the most wild episode. And I've come to realize that urban fiction is basically a subgenre of romance because yes. these books are all about like either finding a very super rich man who can <laughs> save you from all your dreams, or finding just a really like badass. I'm the leader of this drug cartel, man, to give you all your dreams. But they, I, we have yet to read a single one where there isn't a love story component to it. So I've had that realization. I love it. So we did our January pick. And I also recently wrapped up the first batch of episodes for the Ice Planet podcast, <gasps> which Melody was on, uh-huh. and as was Aaron. And we did the first book through Barbarian Seduction. Mm-hmm. Of the Ice Planet Barbarian series, and we read them and we talk about them. And I am still, I am thinking I'm highly, 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 highly. Are you probably gonna do yeah, 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 yeah. Ice Home? <laughs> It'll be a different format because what I learned during this, this is probably this is probably too much behind the scenes for people who listen to this. But what I learned that doing this, while I loved having different guests on for each episode, it's so much, it's so much scheduling, and it's also confusing because people come in with different like amounts of knowledge. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just, I think if I do it again, it'll be fewer hosts, and we talk about more episodes. I think that'll be cool because that'll allow us to really dig in and get like in the weeds Hell yeah. on some of the wackiness. Of the show. We just did this Patreon episode and I posted like a little snippet of it for social media because I've fallen into Rizdiverse now. Like I'm I'm deep. I'm deep in <laughs> I now know the the name of the other alien species that they think crossed to make Shadow Cat. Like it's I'm deep in. I didn't And so I'm explaining this. I'm explaining all of this to Aaron. <laughs> she basically staged an intervention. <laughs> I'm talking about how Messica are like crossing over with Praxians and like Praxians are the cat people and like how they mate and how they how they court like <laughs> you can't help it because she's written this big world that's so big and it all she's also written so prolifically yes. she's got like five different series going at one time and then you learn they all take place in the same universe so then and you're like all catnip <laughs> you're like that gif of charlie day i think that's yes. who it is like where he's in front of the wall with the oh, yeah. string i'm deep so I'm, if yeah. you need like almost a scholar <laughs> if you need a person who's so enthusiastically into ice home and everything about it let me know you know, yeah. I, I <laughs> could make sure. myself available is all I'm saying. <laughs> You're definitely on the list. So <laughs> that was a lot of fun to do. It was a lot of work, which is why I'm like one fewer host and yeah. two, we're not doing it right now. Yeah. That's also what got me through 2020 Yeah, was doing that podcast because it's hard to be too upset when you're talking about like a blue four-armed alien. Yes. I guess that one doesn't have the four-armed aliens. That's a different series. But a blue, no, but like, alien. And spurs and ridges there's ta- and yeah. There's bleeding. a lot of stuff happening. You know, there's, a, there's horns. A lot of cunnilingus. A lot, it's a lot. Yeah. A lot of lapping at folds, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Oh, wait. Do you want to plug your handles or anything? We can. I guess I never did say where you could find any of those things <laughs> I just mentioned. Black Chick Lit is online at blackchicklit.com. We're also on Twitter at Black Chick Lit. Uh-huh. Ice Planet Pod. The Ice Planet Podcast is online at Ice Planet Pod. It's also um, on iceplanetpod.com. Also on Twitter at Ice Planet Pod. I am on Twitter 
as just me, mm-hmm. Danny, D-A-N-I underscore Lacey, L-A-C-E-Y. All right, perfect. Yes. Okay, so check show notes if you want to follow us everywhere. Listen to Melanie's episode. Oh, yeah. That was Listen a fun to Melanie's one. Melanie's episode of the Ice Planet Podcast and Aaron's. Yeah. Where I yeah. learned that Aaron doesn't read epilogues, which just nope. which I should have known because I've listened to this podcast long enough to know. But yeah, <laughs> she doesn't do epilogues. Sometimes I'm actually shocked by it. Sometimes I'm like, is that isn't that not just what you say out loud? You know, like. <laughs> but no, she's serious about it. It's a hard line for her. <laughs> I just think it's such a funny statement. I know. <laughs> I know. She's like, just end your book. <laughs> they did they put an epilogue in that's the <laughs> that's what I say that's so funny <laughs> anyway alright keep being a badass yes and love yourself as much as you love sweet movies where you feel safe the whole time and everybody gets the HEA they deserve they do and yes. the characters grow and Tessa Thompson looks at you with her big beautiful eyes <laughs> and Eva Longoria is there randomly even randomly <laughs> Wow. And everyone has great fashion sense and great hair. Oh, yeah. And, and the Duke of Hastings is like, you know, just... DTF, I guess. Well... I'm like, left. First of all, DTF, yeah. But he's like a cool <laughs> cat, you know? Yes. All right. Yep. Love yourself that much. <laughs> yes. Wear your mask. Stay safe. Bye. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you. Yes, listener, you. Are you loving the show? If so, please leave a rating and review in your podcast app. The 90 seconds you take to say something nice not only helps new people find the show, but it makes me super smile over at HBHQ. Also, I've had a few people ask, and the answer is yes. We are still doing the five-star bribe. If you leave us a review with five stars, then we'll do whatever book you want. We're real, real deep into the list, though, so it might be a while. Ah, Lilas! Okay, back to the show.